Hey, it's Sean, and this week on Tipple Theory, we're going to talk about bitters. And it doesn't just mean me. <laughs> Tipple Theory is the exploration of history and practice of creating alcohol around the world. On this show, we'll share some of the history of how your favorite beverages came to be, as well as techniques professional bartenders use to elevate your poison of choice into an experience worth savoring. Hey, and welcome to this episode of Tipple Theory with your VSP Hope your knuckles with your VSOP hosts, Sean and September. Yeah. <laughs> Please visit tipplethory.com today to find other episodes and ways to support us, like Patreon. So, today's topic is bitters. Before we get into it, September, what have you been up to? I was in a chili cookout. Yay. And I did not win. Boo. Oh. <laughs> it's fine. Cretins. Um, <laughs> we had uh, the first part-time gamers game night. Uh, that was, holy crap, loads of fun. Uh, we played stick figure fight. Or stick fight. The game. Yeah. It, it's with uh, Red Fraggle 3. And me and Sean, and then we raided into Sean Weiland. No, Sean, wait, Shane Maddox. <laughs> Gosh, sorry. Trying to straighten all the Sean's and Shane's. And, uh, but anyway, it was uh, he was having a birthday stream, and we talked them into playing stick fight. <laughs> so much, much silly fun was to be had uh, with drinking. It just had to happen. And I was doing a uh, sound for memorial thing at my local wine shop this weekend. And it's just where we ended up doing that for them. And the same wine shop that I ended up finding Vermouth in, finally. Uh, and they only had a couple kinds. And I was all, they have all different kinds now. Like, is this because I sent rob for some and then the next week i bought two fancy kinds because now there's like three or four more fancy kinds all of a sudden mm. i mean yeah i'm not gonna hate on that but except damn it <laughs> it's like when i wanted it could have used you yesterday <laughs> like do i just snatch it all up now i i don't have that much room in my fridge to keep that much around all the time but I'll I'll probably hit you up for like which ones are worth having around more often. I mean the the Lille Blanc is gonna stay in my repertoire for sure. Uh, they had the Rouge, they had uh, a couple other things that uh, I don't know. I'll think about it. But to the benefit of everyone around me, <laughs> there is now a selection of vermouth over at the Wine Maestro. <laughs> That's kind of nice. Yeah. Oh, God. That's good. Look at that. Changing the world. <laughs> <laughs> One boozy destination at a time. Sip by sip. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm speaking of like I'm almost out of mine already. My goodness. Start... We just started. I make such good cocktails. I can't help it. Ugh. I know. I wish I was there. You could make them for me. Mm. I'm, I'm here with like, I had to move a keyboard to get out a cutting board. Sad, sad little life. I was I, I scrambled before this to make my cocktail before the show, um, but I think what I said to the camera was the nice thing about this is it goes super fast. You can just make it, which I realize 
it's partly a benefit of practice. Like I'm used to talking and making and also, you know, like, all right, 12 cocktails, you have a minute and a half, go. <laughs> you do it because that's your gerb. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this I, I just make oh. it while I'm waiting for you usually. So <laughs> I have plenty of time. What have you been up to this week? Uh, so I'm making bitters as is the topic of the show. I thought, you know what, I'll make some and I'm still, um, it's got like another five days for the initial sit. And I'm, I'm going to, I think I might actually split the batch because the, the next step, and I, I've seen this in, in multiple recipes is you, you strain out your solids that you're infusing into your, your liquor, your high proof base. Uh, and then you're supposed to boil those solids in water and then let them sit for another week or so. Um, the only thing that gets me is alcohol is a better solvent than water. So really you shouldn't have to do that. Uh, I mean, boiling, you know, the heat extraction might cause it to, to pull out some more stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm curious. So I'm going to split it and then do a taste test because I'm, I'm curious how much it's going to change. Um, I would Now, this is, of course, they've been making vermouth, or not vermouth, bitters for years. Um, but I'm, fudge, I'm curious. No one, no one really says, there's a few places I saw that you just sit it and then strain it and then go. Um I'm also using Everclear instead of like an overproof bourbon, like 120 proof. This is 190. So it could benefit from being diluted a bit. So we'll see. Uh, I also finished my hat rack. So now next to my bar, I have a, a bunch of <laughs> upcycled wine or wine box racks that have been fused and glued together. <laughs> 16 hats. I didn't realize I had that many hats. I thought I had extra spaces and then I filled the whole thing up and there we go. Mm -hmm. Well, cool. Now, yeah. uh, you had mentioned previously, I don't know if it was recorded. Um, you were also doing a without alcohol, uh, bitters. And mm. I, in my research for the show came across, uh, at least one way. Uh, I don't know if there are multiple ways to do that, but I came across one. And uh, apparently uh, folks staying away from alcohol use glycerin. Yes, I did yeah. see that. Where did you source that? Is that how you did it? I did not. Um, okay. I basically just made really, really strong reductions. So I did one of the tea, or actually several teas, uh, so it was a hibiscus, ginger, turmeric, and green, I want to say lemon green tea. And so I took all, all three of those, put in about a cup and a half of water, and then boiled it down to, oh gosh, like four ounces or less. Uh, I mean, I, I let it reduce and reduce and reduce. Um, the idea of just concentrating flavors, which is what you do with bitters. And then the other one I did, I took... Um, Diet or, or Dr. Pepper Zero, I can't remember which one, and then reduced that down just because it already has so many flavors in it that I thought, eh, might be all right. Um, the funny thing is, is it did get more bitter as it reduced down, uh, which, which I did not expect from something sweetened, even though it's artificially sweetened. Um, I would, but, you know, I end up looking into artificial sweeteners a lot because I have a bad reaction to aspartame. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can't try those bitters. Uh, but part of their claim to fame with NutraSweet aspartame uh, was claiming that it w came from extract of, uh, or like, orange peel, uh, which is 
loosely true. It's truthy. It's not. Um, <laughs> it was one of those discovered accidentally while messing with stuff, but no, it's very uh, chemical. It's closer to, I don't know, formaldehyde than it is to orange peel, but uh, that it would get bitter if it had, if it came from, because it came from, I think, pith, actually, um, hmm. in the original extraction treatment, but I don't know. And it, it, it's one of those that has an aftertaste more than some other ones. Yeah. It was more of just, I got curious about condensing down flavors. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Weird, and I Dr. Thought Pepper about... would be a good call for that. Like, yeah. not many. It so came from soda fountains and then just putting all kinds of different syrup in. So it's a shortcut to that. Yeah. I might actually buy some glycerin and see if I can. Uh, do it that way. Um, yeah, because well, I'm curious. I think chemically glycerin would have more of a chance to extract the way that uh, alcohol does. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm curious. But uh, I also, within within the realm of doing non-alcoholic in this in this space, doing an infused simple syrup and just having a like a large amount of ingredients. Uh, could also function decently well, um, just for you know, because a lot of the stuff that you would do in infused simple syrup with are kind of where you might want to take bitters, so using more sour or bitter components, using lemon and lavender and ginger. You know, those those all work in that. So, but you so, can only uh, reduce a simple so far before yes. you end up with really thick syrup or. It starts to crystallize and things like that. Where glycerin isn't going to do that. Um, That's why they use it in vapes. If you're sensitive to the fog machine stuff they normally use in vapes, you can get liquid that is glycerin-based and doesn't cause those uh, issues. Huh. Interesting. I did not know that. (laughs) Yeah, the stuff... I, fog machines, uh, and that's uh, always trigger my asthma. And I tried to quit smoking by, you know, using vaping and cutting down, and uh, it was triggering my asthma. Where a cigarette doesn't, go figure. <laughs> uh, but it's the uh, I forget the name of the stuff, but it's the stuff that is most commonly used in vapes to in the suspension and it's the same stuff that's in fog machines and that's what triggers hmm. me or i never try to vape because i know i have to uh leave the room when the fog machines come on interesting yeah i'll have to try out gristling gristling glycerin gristling gristling <laughs> see how see how that goes but i mean as far as making non-alcoholic beverages you can use a syrup and you know yeah. with those flavors in you just can't use it like a bitters exactly, um, but yeah. But is glycerin would be sweet still, wouldn't it? No, it's, it's completely not, neutral. It's oh, it's completely neutral in taste. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's just okay. Then that would be more handy. Goop. But I mean, you can buy non-alcoholic bitters. You can. I. I. I don't think that they're. So far, have been that interesting. 
<laughs> and, and maybe it's just because it's hard to get those flavors to extract and infuse uh, in those suspensions. That could be. Um, and I, we talked about it before. And my my big thing is I was trying to carry on the the. I was about to say spirit, but I was not trying to be punny. Uh, the essence of the idea of of not drinking alcohol, and and depending on uh, you know what faith you follow, like you know that's a non-starter. Uh, depending on your addiction and recovery process, that can be okay. Because um, vanilla extract is about the same alcohol content as bitters. So if you can have, you know, a muffin, <laughs> then theoretically you can have bitters in Diet Coke. <laughs> but if that's not your path to recovery, if you give a mouse a muffin or a moose a muffin, <laughs> if you give a mouse a cookie... Right, it's like it sounds. You it's unintentionally referred to how that book works. <laughs> if you give a mouse crack, jeez uh... <laughs> Louise, do bears get high in the woods? I don't know. Um, when I see my friends, uh, specifically one of my friends who's on that path, uh, hmm. it's. I'm pretty sure she still bakes with vanilla extract, but she has cocktails in the hot tub, but it's like sparkly water and simple syrups, infused mm -hmm. simple syrups. And I know she uses rosemary, which would give that bitter herbal element. It would be very cocktail-like and uh, apparently doesn't make her feel like she needs, you know, anything more than that, which is fantastic. Well, no one does. No one does need, right? No one should need. We Some enjoy. people do need oh, based well, on their experience. Yeah. But right now we shall talk about the bitters. Yep. This is not a speech impediment. It is shitty French. We can make fun of them all we want. <laughs> we can. It's one of the few groups. <sighs> so I, I, I did. I, I'm, did you Google? And, and or in that process of researching, look for, like the origin of bitters and get either like ancient Egypt or, or yes. the German guy. I got ancient Egypt. Right. And then, yeah, there was stuff about the Germans. Sigurd. And yeah, and there was stuff all over um, claiming, but I kind of <laughs> just threw some links in and then let you dig in because I saw you were putting in a lot of history and that's that's your favorite thing um I this was a decipher like journey I had so much so so ancient Egypt which pretty much gets credit for everything cradle of life civilization spirits or, or at least alcohol um or that that region of the world um uh but so so the the one I found was like aliens <laughs> it is <laughs> but so like wine and herbs infused together is, is, is kind of the, the general consensus I got from Egypt, which that's been a thing for a long time. Adding herbs to stuff that might be tasting funky or to make it taste better or to make it medicine. Medicine. Bam. Right. <laughs> this was another medicinal origin situation. Very, yes. very almost the exact same as vermouth in that regard as being a digestif and curing kind of the same range of ailments yes it had claim to and again some of them have borne out mm -hmm. 
I, you said born out, and for some reason my mind went born identity. I don't. I blame it on the old fashions. <sighs> okay. Yes. Uh, but that's true. I mean, that's because we're extracting essential parts of plants, which are also the basis of a lot of medicines, if not most. So, yeah, eventually you're going to land on something that's also medicine, <laughs> which is cool. Um, however, so I discounted the, the Egypt part only because bitters, as we're talking about it and most people would receive it now, are the small little extracty things that you put dashes and small amounts of into cocktails. Uh, yeah, and that was a distinct line that was uh, drawn in some of the articles I read. I mean, historically, mm-hmm. because in a whole list of bitters, I mean, Campari was right up in there. And that's not generally how, it, it's not the same way it's used. But there was a line between up until this point, and then cocktail bitters is an entirely different category of a larger category of bitters, which is... Mm-hmm. Kind of anything that's bitter that you would ingest. <laughs> yeah. But we're, for the purposes of our show, it's uh, we'll talk about some of the rest of it. I see you have some in there. But for the most part, we're talking about as an additive to create cocktails. Right. So before I, I get into the one that we all probably think of, Yellow Cap Brown Bottle White Label. <laughs> There, there was one, and it was, it was. I don't mean to be debunk-ish, but there, there is one that I found online that, if you just search and you just look at our article titles, it'll look like it came before uh, Angostura, that that one bitters, um, and it's credited as Riga Black Balsam, and it says founded in 1752, world's oldest, oldest bitters. Uh, however, it's the world's oldest producer of a bittered liqueur is really what it is. It's not a cocktail bitters. It's, and I, I mean, if, if you want to look at it like that, well then, then Jaeger is a bitters and then gin is a bitters because he uses a bunch of herbs and it's infused into a liquor. So it's, it's not what we in present day would call a bitters. Uh, it, <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, vermouth. Vermouth. <laughs> it's bittered fortified wine. Blah, blah, blah. Ta-da. Uh, but I do like, uh, so it's, yeah, so it's Regal Black Balsam. Among all those other ones, are a, it's a digestive generally is how it's used. Um, oh, and I left some of the fun facts in there. We'll come, we'll come back to it with its other fun fact. Um, but it's, it's, it's from Latvia. It's considered like Latvia's national drink. I thought it was, any of these things you can research and they have just such cool histories as to why they still exist in general. Um. And yeah, that's it's it's pretty fun. So, Angostura, the yellow cap, the legend, the one that we all know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, was invented in 1824, uh, and by a German immigrant, Doctor Johann Sigert. He moved from Germany to Venezuela uh, to be a surgeon general for Simon Bolivar. <laughs> <laughs> Which I also thought was I'm like, wait, this is how it came to be. I, I knew it was an immigrant, I, and I, my mind, immigrant Caribbean. It was Venezuela first. He created Angostura. Then, as he started exporting it, it moved over to the Caribbean. Um, but so he was Surgeon General for the Army, making bitters, of course, medicinally. 
because that is <laughs> the origin of all these things. Uh, and it was it was prescribed to help with stomach ailments, which is still what it's used for today. Like it, it's if you work behind a bar, you have absolutely given a server who is not feeling good soda water or ginger ale with dashes of bitters in it. That's like that's it's like our penicillin <laughs> all the time. I can't believe I've never done that for my kids. Really? Yeah. What the hell? Like even knowing, I, I, I probably have an aversion. <laughs> my mom used to give me blackberry brandy. <laughs> uh, mm. So, <laughs> yeah, for uh, digestive problems uh, of the the bottom me sort, she gave us blackberry brandy. Um, I mean, that's terrible, but also that's <laughs> good. Like soda water, blackberry brandy, and some bitters. Oh. I would drink that. Oh, not even soda water. But, oh. and not bitters either. But, so I might just be averse to like, I'm not going to just give my kids booze and tell them it'll make them feel better. Um, it's also smart. Yeah, but I should have thought of the bitters. Yeah, so it was prescribed medicinally. Uh, and, and that was a thing at the time. Um, so, we're, we're, so we're talking 1820 when he moved out there, 1824 when he invented this formula. This is... In the height and continuing height of snake oil tonics and salesmen, and oh, come step right up, this will heal your gout, solve your diabetes, and whatever other ailments you got. <laughs> uh, and 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 so that's if you look at you look at the label on any of these old timey bitters that still exist, they look like they came off of the back of a wagon that was selling miracle cures. They do. I love them. Uh, they, they, I, got, they got a fish oil thing going on. They've got a great Snake retro oil. vibe. Sorry. I look like I would have been selling them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Right. I, even, I, have, I have a cane and I have the right hat because, of course, I have tons of hats, as mentioned earlier. Um, so that was so that. But Angostura is the main one. They, they have what? Sorry. No, I just never looked at the uh, alcohol by volume on it. Yeah, no, they're high proof. They they like are... what? Uh, sorry, learning what I learned about the legal classification. That's a little weird. Yeah. All right. So anyway, <laughs> they're sold in such small volumes, though. They're like, uh, um, like hotel mini bar bottle size. Like you'd have to. Blah. I don't know. Blah. This one's pretty big. This one's the size. Oh, of that's beer. true. Yeah, that's true. I got a ten ouncer. That's a t- I guess that's, that might be the one I have. I thought I had like an eight ounce, but I don't think they would have made it that different. It must be 10. It's a lot. I mean, that. I mean, yeah, if you... If you At 45%? Yeah. I guess you could cut it down and if you did like half and half... If you just you forgot, or, you'd probably throw up. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's rough. That's worse than doing shots of Jaeger or anything else. <laughs> yeah. So Angostura... <laughs> Has has three main varieties of, of bitters. Uh, they have th- their aromatic, which is kind of the classification that they called it at the time. Their aromatic bitters. That's the that's the OG. That's the yellow yellow cap, brown bottle, white and blue label. They also have an orange bitters and a chocolate bitters. Uh, I recommend both. Both you should probably you should have in your arsenal or a version of those for sure. I like it actually like an Aztec chocolate bitters. I like a little spice to my chocolate. Which I should not say things like that out loud. <laughs> I like a little spice to my chocolate, and they've an orange bitters, uh, which 
fantastic to have around. Um, because just, I don't know, because they, they just add like a good, good varying different notes to, to your cocktails. For a lot of the standard cocktails you start making when you're using bitters, they're definitely a, a, a premium addition to that. Mm-hmm. I like straight up bitters and, you know, I grew up making Manhattans and old fashions and they're great for that. But orange bitters just kind of gives that little bit of orange. I mean, you're using it as a garnish anyway and like an old fashioned. Um, but it just gives that little, uh, same reason I used to like the, the sky orange when it tasted like zest instead of just, yeah. you know, orange and- flavoring. And you you raise a, a really good point, and that is if you're if you're wanting, like if you've, you've got your old fashioned game down, you know how you like to make it. You like we do an orange bitters, and then instead of using an orange as a garnish, maybe do like a dash of Angostura, a dash of orange, and then change the garnish, put a different something else on your nose, and that can change wildly change the whole balance of your cocktail. And we were talking about this a minute ago. It's uh, I, I went and I made. Uh, some an old fashioned with Underberg bitters, which I said tasted like a little bit like root beer. It's, uh, now my old fashioned is an entirely different cocktail. Sure, it has a similar presentation, but it doesn't taste like an Angostura bourbon old fashioned. It's right. and it's nice. It's actually much lighter. It's a bit brighter as a, of a cocktail. I yeah, your your bitters and what you use and how you use it really change because they're so it's such concentrated flavor. It's, it's cool. <laughs> like it, it's 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 part of the chemistry of of bartending that really got me interested in bartending. Well, and what I went with tonight, I may as well throw that in here. Yeah. Um, is I wanted something that would highlight the bitters. I didn't know what I, we were going to do an old fashioned for our, uh, what we were going to do for a cocktail of the week to put in the PDF for everyone. Other than Sean is making homemade bitters. How cool is that? And I guess we'll put your recipe in there for people to, if it yeah. turns out, right? Um, but I was like, well, what do I have in the house? I have some vodka, so it's a standard, doesn't taste like anything. I have some club soda left over from the vermouth cocktails last week. So I've got completely neutral things to just bitters. Um, we'll do that. Use a little soda water, vodka, and a bitters and see what that is and we'll talk a little later about uh the options you have beyond the standards we're talking about now uh the one sean mentioned that it was the uh the underberg was the root berry one um and that is a more well like large distribution one but mm-hmm. the angostura orange is a great pop it in with some soda water and, you know, you've got a cocktail and you know what it's doing before you add it to anything else. Yeah. So I had my first one. I used the orange, Angostura, um, because I happen to have some oranges nearby so I could have the same nose. And then I went ahead and tried the Underberg that Sean had told me had that root beer thing going and it it totally does. Mm-hmm. I immediately, especially with the soda water, just it's like completely neutral, little fizz. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and it's not sweet, right? So I say root beer, but it's like almost more akin to like a birch beer. Like I would be tempted to put a cherry in this yeah. and it would lean on toward birch beer. I feel like if I use this in an old fashioned because it's got that bit of sugar, I bet it would lean toward toward a birch beer or a Dr. Pepper situation. 
So anyway. <laughs> Delicious. Um, so getting back to Angostura. All good points, by the way. Um, so he, working for the military, advances bitters. It catches on. In about 20-ish, 24 years, he starts exporting it to the U.S., the U.K., and the Caribbean. And it's it's now starting to become like cocktails are becoming a thing. This is all catching on, and they move their base of operations from Angostura, Venezuela, which later gets renamed, and I forget the renaming of the city, um, but they take it from Angostura, Venezuela, to uh, Trinidad. And then they open and actually formalize their incorporation, uh, JGB Seert and Sons, or and Hijos, but Sons. Um, I do like that it was actually Hijos, which means they kind of fully, well, as much as Germans can in the Caribbean, fully integrated <laughs> themselves uh, into the culture there. Uh, so I, I included, after researching all this history, I remember uh, a lot of the sites don't don't mention it. You have to go actually look for the story. But the so if you have the bottle and get a bottle of Angostura, the label doesn't fit. It sticks up from the actual core roundness of the bottle and kind of comes up around the, the tapered neck. Most people, yeah, crush it. Uh, if you're watching the video on Patreon, uh, most people crush it around the neck, uh, which is fine. That's actually normally what I would do. Uh, that came, the story is that, that came from a miscommunication between the brothers that were handling the manufacturing at the company. Because, you know, nepotism. <laughs> but one of the sons was in charge of uh, producing and bottling. Another one was in charge of making the labels. And they didn't talk to each other about what was going on in the manufacturing process. And so they just didn't match up the size of one to the size of the other. And when they got the bottles, they're like, ah, well, I guess we just put them on. One of the clever things the sons were doing were submitting the bitters to cocktail comp or bitters competitions. And one of the ones, the first that they submitted this to with this error. Uh, they didn't win. I don't think they even placed. But one of the judges was like, wow, that's really clever marketing. Everyone's going to remember this because of that weird-ass label you got on there. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. I don't think they talk like no, that. No, it's okay. And nowadays, it just you know <laughs> does things like obscure the actual uh, nutritional information gets ruined. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> but, it, but it worked. It caught on, and it became <laughs> another thing. Um, Vouf Clicquot actually has... A, Famously, same idea. So it's called the yellow label, and it's orange. And that's because of a um, sabotage on the house uh, on the part of one of the other champagne houses. Uh, so this happened to them, and they're like, "Oh, well, hey, if people like it, we'll keep doing it." And that stuck. So speaking of cocktail or not cocktail bitters competitions that they were submitting to, they won the Medal of Excellence in Austria in 1873, and the gold medal. For product excellent at the, excellence at the World Trade Fair in Philadelphia in 1876, and of course during this time, especially we're talking like later in the 1800s, like cocktails were taken off. Like it, that is, it is now the bee's knees and the cat's meow. It is so. <laughs> and have you noticed how it keeps coming up? Um, how many of them was like New York City, like mm. New York City in the early 1800s? So many, like, I guess that's where they, uh, it, it's at least where they started documenting cocktails. Because it keeps right. coming down to this guy in New York invented it. <laughs> right. And between those two years, the Manhattan, Recipe for the Manhattan was published or, and created in Manhattan. It was 1874, so that's in between 73 and 76, because that's how time and numbers work. Uh, <laughs> 
But yeah, that's and that's coming up there. But what I was actually thinking about that too, and I was like, wait, at that point in time, like you still had like the East Coast that was the seat and the height of of, of rich and the kind of the American bourgeoisie because the West was the Wild West at that point in time in America. Like it wasn't, there wasn't a lot going on as far as like really formalized culture. That sounds really terrible to say it like that. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, they had their buildings that, but... that they had their buildings built. The industry was being run from there um, as things were still expanding west. They had transportation lines to, and shipping mm-hmm. coming in. It would make sense that people who could sit and have a cocktail because they weren't, you know, towing barges down the canals um, or running railroads would be have some roots in New York. Yeah. But westward expansion was still happening. So yeah. a lot of the people that had the leisure time to enjoy a sophisticated mixed cocktail, uh, that was still happening. Uh, oh, right. So in, so after as all this is happening, they're winning awards. The cocktail revolution is starting in 1904. Alfredo Siegert was appointed purveyor of Angostura aromatic bitters to the king of Prussia, which... That's Ooh. awesome. This is, I mean, and this is, again, this is still also, we're also still in the snake oil, medicinal, it's good for you era of things too. Um, there's, there's no board of whatever saying you can't do that. And you can't say that this will save your life. Right. Um, oh, and in 1907, <laughs> they were also purveyors to the king of, King Alfonso the 13th of Spain. Which, awesome. And then... What Actually, a time, right? You, you right. can say, like, right. the kings like our stuff, and people aren't going to just try to kill you for it yet. Right, and, you're the, and and people do that. People are getting appointed to royalty to be, like, yes, you're the official thing of my stuff, um, which is... <laughs> I think <laughs> they still do it. We just don't pay attention. But that's that's why we have uh, Oktoberfest beer, the Marzen beers. It was to celebrate a, pin, a prince's wedding. I can't remember which prince off the top of my head. But it was just... A lot of these things stuck around partially because there was a royal decree saying das ist gut. Yeah. So right before the King's Alfonso, Alfonso, Alfonso of Spain uh, bit in 1906, things finally start happening as far as hey, you can't say that. Uh, that is the Pure Food and Drug Act in the United States, uh, where bitters was no longer could no longer be sold as a patent medicine <laughs> because it wasn't because there was even though it, it might help, and 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 in a lot of cases, especially in the, in the industries I worked in, people would say it does and does seem to. Uh, there was no proof. There's no research. There's no there's no nothing coming out of that. Not enough to say cure. They right. had to stop saying cure in particular. Yes. Um, oh, uh, and it's funny because you mentioned that earlier about, uh, and I got distracted by going, why didn't I give it to my kids? Um, ginger ale mm-hmm. is the other thing that, you know, bar staff, like, yeah, you got to tell me I can have some ginger ale. Yeah, yeah. I grew up with that too. I, I still, if I get stomach virus and all my kids like, uh, all right, let's go get some uh, soda crackers and ginger ale, saltines and ginger ale until you can keep anything else down. Dude, and ginger yeah. Can 
settle your stomach. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I don't know anyone that, that doesn't know of that, at least as a notion, if not as a, yeah, give me some ginger. Ginger settles your stomach. Like I, maybe not to a, and a scientifically acceptable or medically acceptable degree, but it totally does. Um, I, 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 I don't have, it's not a hill um, I want to die on, but it's a hill, it's a hill I'll stand on and wave a flag. It does there. I know there's some backup. I actually looked at a friend of mine was going through chemo. Uh, there are studies that show it may be as effective as some anti-nausea medications. Hmm. And oh. it doesn't, it has fewer side effects. I'm not going to say ginger doesn't have side effects because definitely some people are very sensitive. Like you'll end up with heartburn <laughs> and then you're no good. Uh, but for <laughs> most people, uh, something like a gentle infusion of ginger in a tea, uh, mm -hmm. even if you can't handle something carbonated when you're not feeling well, it, it's anti-nausea. So. Yeah. I love, yeah, I love ginger for that. Uh, but in 1906, bitters could no longer be considered a cure and labeled thusly. Yes. Be that as it may, in 1912, Angostura was appointed <laughs> su direct suppliers of bitters to His Majesty King George V. Because they weren't done with the royalty yet. There you go. You'll be back. Soon you'll stop singing because of copyright infringement. You can't say. <laughs> it's a medicine. You remember Except you belong it to me. It's not, but it is. But it's not. And so that is that kind of brings Angostura into the modern day. That They're no longer a cure. It's a cocktail additive. It is. Well, now, I mean, we're just before prohibition. Uh, but old fashions, that's already been published. It's already a thing. Manhattans are a thing. Uh, what, what I think is interesting in, in the course of all this happening is bit, bitters started to exist, uh, as the cocktail bitters, as we know that in what, uh, 40 years after vermouth was established as a thing in uh, Milan in Italy, which we talked about previously. So between... An alcohol-infused or fortified wine infused with bitter herbs. Forty years later, we have cocktail aromatic bitters. And in between there, there is the first mention of a cocktail in a newspaper in 1806. So 18 years before Siegert gets credit for making Angostura. So here's my, my unproven, <laughs> but here's my theory. Okay. My theory, because I could not find in this 1806 There's article. Only so much documentation, bitters. yeah. They mentioned bitters, and it's like, oh, yes, I was at a party last night, and I had this wonderful drink. It wasn't even a cocktail yet, actually, because that didn't exist as a term. I had this wonderful drink of liquor, water, sugar, and bitters. That's it. They don't say what kind of bitters, what it was. I mean, it was a certainly like, a From your, your notes, the quote is, a spirit sugar, oh, water, sorry. and bitters, and called it a stimulating liquor. And that's something I think we should address in a show at some point, um, is liquor, liqueur, liqueur, right? These are three terms you see, mm -hmm. and some are changing the way the use usage of those terms through history have changed, but some of them are different classifications. Yes. Okay. The but anyway... First... 
The first two I know is the same. The second one, I would basically lower alcohol, but with sugar. That's how I would but generally the one, differentiate. Right, you would. But the quote from that editor in 1806 called that concoction a, a liquor. Stimulating, <laughs> a stimulating liquor. Right. Yeah. So, so anyway, your theory uh, about him basically describing an old-fashioned... Maybe, or something close to it, right? Uh, what what vexed me in, within the topic of the show was it call, some, calling something a bitters when we don't know what a bitters is yet, as far as Angostura being the documented one. And being 20 years early, but also not too far after Vermouth, as we know it now, started existing, 20 years after Vermouth. So we have like this in the middle, right? It's right in the middle when this gets published. Which I mean, I mean, I I spent too much time maybe <laughs> searching for this, but because it, it, it should exist. But what I what I starting to think, and like as I looked around, I just kind of broadened my tried to broaden my brain and be like, well, is vermouth bitters? And and then if you go to certain articles, people will say, well, yes, vermouth is a bitters. But as we discussed before, no, vermouth is its own thing based on how it's made and how it's used. It's it's an aperitif, right? And used in aperitivo time, blah blah blah. So, what I think happened, and because remember, vermouth was fortified normally. What I think happened is as this German, and remember vermouth, the root word, vermouth is German. I think this German, when they went down to Venezuela to become the Surgeon General of this army, what, one, of the, one of the things that you have to do when you're in a wartime situation is make sure you can pack everything with you, carry everything with you. Things have to be smaller. They have to be more condensed. I think they started cutting out the wine portion of making a bitters or a vermouth and just stuck with the herbs, the medicinal portion and this very concentrated alcohol. And, and we're doing it that way. And I think, I think that's how they kind of came down to the aromatic cocktail bitters that we know now is by just taking out the wine, the high-volume portion of everything. That is an excellent theory. <laughs> what? And now I, I will, and now I will put my yarn and, and, and push pins away. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that's what happened, is they were trying to find a smaller way to carry around what, what was considered medicine at the time. And, oh! And I, I yes. know there's something I wanted to bring up that I think is mm -hmm. here in our notes. I don't think it made it. Angostura. We didn't mention the town, uh, the maker. The there's tree. a plant. Yeah. Yes. There's three. <laughs> and it does not contain that. Angostura that does not contain Angostura. It says on the bottle it doesn't. Now it does. These are modern bottles. Who knows? It could have. It could have originally been in there, like Coca Cola and cocaine. No, it specifically is like it's not in here. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's also. I mean, the town they were in could have been named after the tree that is of the same name, or one of the plants of the same name. So it's kind of yeah. It like does not contain Angostura bark. Right. It it's got the like. I mean. I could oh, also just be like, like a, hey, a don't mine. look at the thing that it is. <laughs> oh, but they can't do that. The FDA is on their ass now, right? Like that was no. But again, they could have only... nowadays. I mean, they had what they had eighty years to figure out an alternative. 
Okay. I, I mean, it's, it, it could have been at one point. It could have. Certainly is um, not now. So I wanted to mention some other things on the label. Is this mm-hmm. a good time? Because mm-hmm. it did uh, come up. Yeah. Yeah. With us in discussion previously, because I asked you, and I don't know if that was in Patreon content or off air, about putting it in vegetables. <laughs> and you were like, what? <laughs> and I told you, it's right on the label. And that's where I learned, like, wait, what? And to figure that out. Now, what I didn't notice on the label is actual drink recipes. I completely ignored those. And there's recipes on here for an old-fashioned Manhattan, a uh, Trinidad and Tobago rum punch, which now makes more sense because you explained the whole uh, Trinidad origins earlier. OJ Tingles, which... Uh, I never read that side of the label because I never heard of that. And boy, that would be a whole different featured drink now. <laughs> and uh, the Charger. So. Interesting. There are some drink wrestles. <laughs> hey, I'm from Buffalo. I'm allowed. Um, <laughs> so there's an in thing about it is now produced, blah, blah, blah. And by Angostura Bitters. I don't know if there was a rumor some years ago about you were go get it. You're not gonna be able to get it anymore. It was discontinuing, and I don't have this whole story, but I do know it left production for a short time. But in here, there is okay. Now you can't say it's medicine. However, you can apparently still say on the label uh, that it has long been known as a pleasant and dependable stomachic. Which people use that word all the time. <laughs> As a yeah. stimulant for the appetite, one to four teaspoonfuls before meals is suggested. Ow, yuck. Um, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Wait, and that's for flatulence, one <laughs> to four teaspoonfuls after meals. <laughs> because of its delightful flavor and aroma, it has become popular for use in soft drinks, cocktails, and other alcoholic beverages, and it imparts an exquisite flavor to soups, cereals, salads, vegetables, gravies, fish, grapefruit, fresh stewed or preserved fruits, jellies, sherbets, ice cream, many sauces, puddings, mince pies, applesauce, and all other similar desserts, regulating the quantity according to taste. So you can't say it's medicine. Right. But it's but everything else you ever it's wanted for it to a be. Because people use that word. And uh, for flatulence. And put it in all your food, please. And your drinks. I wonder if I ever read that as it's good for a stomachache. Because I feel like that's something I would misread and go, yeah, it's good for stomachache. It's good for stomachache. Yeah, basically. I mean, it's what it means. Um, I... I yeah, so, so that was interesting, and I was like vegetables, and then I I think I must have looked up somewhere, or maybe an older bottle phrases it differently because I remember seeing. Oh wait, for cooking and table use, fruits for cooked or cans, two three dashes of angostura, salads blend two or three dashes with each cup of mayo, uh, mayonnaise, French or other dressing. Pies, add four or five dashes per cup of mincemeat or pumpkin filling, one or two dashes for apple or other fruit. And actually, that sounds like something I would do. 
uh, uh, soups, one or two dashes of Angostura to canned or frozen soups, fish chowder, bisques, and chicken soups stir in at last minute. That sounds like something I would also do for some recipes. Um, but it's not on here in the first place I saw, so I don't know where I looked it up, was uh, putting a few dashes in when steaming uh, green beans. And I actually do occasionally do that. It just does a little something. Well, actually, I don't know. That kind of sounds right. Just It gives an aromatic to an otherwise not aromatic vegetable in that case. Yeah. But I find it interesting how much of this talks about canned fruits and soups. Right. How to freshen those up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, I, it kind of makes kind of makes sense. I mean, especially when I, you're talking about your theory. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, that's when there was a lot of this canned preserved uh, stuff, and they made it just started throwing it in everything. Seeing <laughs> what sticks. We can market this. <laughs> I, I, I panic searched and couldn't find it. But as you were talking about that, I have a Angostura cocktail book. And I say book, it's a small like leaflet pamphlet. It's mm -hmm. like three inches by seven inches, maybe. And it was my, my grandfather. I, I got it. Wasn't, he didn't specifically give it to me, but I was the only one in the family that was interested in cocktails. So when he passed, I, I got it. And it's from like 1830, or not 1830, sorry, 1930. Um, so I imagine maybe it was his dad's, um, but I got it and it had, but it had all these weird uses, but it, it changed how I made old fashions. Uh, cause I, I never, it, it also just kind of made me think more about what I was doing, but operationally, uh, if you're building an old fashioned on the rocks, the first thing you should do is dash your bitters over the ice and then your simple and then your bourbon. Cause that helps disperse it around the cocktail. So as you mix it, it's getting better mixed. I never thought that about that before. I'm, I'm certain I've, did, I've done it where I just put the stuff in the glass and then the ice on top and then mixed it or something, some other version of that, or, you know, the huh. syrup, the bourbon, then the bitters. But <laughs> it since after reading that, and this was like 10 years ago, I would, I, and I did that. I tried it and I was like, oh shit, this tastes better. I always put my bitters in my ice. I was taught that way. Of course, I was also taught muddling, which you hate. So right, and I, I, I like a, I like a firm press on the fruit to expel <laughs> some juices, but not to pulverize the flesh. The real <laughs> question is, how do I get Rob to drink one to four teaspoons of this after every day? <sighs> That's a lot. That it's is never happening. <sighs> Just have to deal. Okay. I mean, I mean, I'd be curious. I would do it for science. I would try it out for like a week. But oh man, that's a that is that is a lot. <laughs> well, you drink Dr Pepper. You could probably put it in there, like one teaspoon. Oh yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. all right. Yeah, no, I could. Yeah, I was thinking of just doing it straight, like like fish oil. But yeah, I could mix it with something. That'd be all right. There you go. So there are other bitters in the world. Yeah. And the other, the other famously American one, the right way to say it, is Peixotes. So if you have Angostura, you have your orange bitters, and then you have your Peixotes. That would be like your holy trinity behind your bar as you're making stuff or setting up your bar. So Peixotes is, is the name of another bitterist. Bitterman, bitterman, 
maybe. Uh, or another apothecary, or faux apothecary, let's say. And he set up shop in Louisiana, in New Orleans. Uh, so that was in 1832. So after Angostura already started, made his recipe and set up his stuff, but fairly close in time. And I think we can kind of attribute this to the, how else can we add bitter ingredients to things and then add it to alcohol and have a good time? Uh, so he set up his apothecary on Royal Street in New Orleans. And it then looks fancy when you go, you get a, like a little bottle. It's like a it's secret like, ingredient. Dick, dick, dick. Deek, deek, deek. I mean, it's and it's even the if you go read like histories on it, or even just go look up Peychaud's and go to their website, they'll say like, and soon they started experimenting with adding it to other drinks. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you did. I mean, it's I'll either say it was in New Orleans. You're like, yes, I get it. That makes sense. But it it is the 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 essential one of the essential ingredients to a Sazerac, which is in and of itself its own version of an old fashioned. It's in the same family. So that that bitters. Um, and I, I think it, partly the reason I didn't look at it as much is because my first few Sazeracs that I ever had were awful. Oh. They, I mean, they were very, very bad. I, I basically had to go to New Orleans, and then I had one. I went, oh, this is good. And then I had one for breakfast the next day, and I was like, yes. That's, I've never done hair of the dog before, but now I get a lot of things. Thank you, New Orleans. It sounds um, me like uh, it sounds like me with the whole Bermuda thing. Mm-hmm. Dark rum. and stormy, not yeah. the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you, I mean you have to have it right. So that's one of the things that Peychaud's bitters I like about it, and it's so every time I look at the color of it, it looks kind of like a condensed down Campari. It's very, it's much more reddish, but also you can see through it much better. Um. And I, th- I might attribute that to some of its oranginess, but it's not orange like orange bitters. It's still its own bitter. It's a little bit sweeter than Angostura. Uh, it's it it sits it got in a its clear own... bottle. Peychaud's yes, Peychaud's has oh, a clear okay. bottle uh, with a white label with kind of a reddish brown print to it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I need to describe it in that much detail, but yeah, fudge it. Here we are. So. What I do like, uh, so so that's they, that becomes its own thing and its own staple. It is, uh, it is uniquely New Orleans, and at the same time, of course, you can have it anywhere. Um, just make sure that if a bartender makes it for you, that they use absinthe and not something else, because uh, besides Peychaud's, absinthe is the other critical element of that. And trying to use another anisette flavored liqueur Ooh. will change things. I, um, yeah, I imagine. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been to many high-end bars. They're like, is, and they'll use, oh gosh, what like is Uzo it? or something? Pernode. Like, can I just oh, use? Oh, jeez. Someone did that without oh. telling me, and I watched them, and I went, no. I mean, I'll drink it because, because no. I understand. You can put that in my bouillabaisse, but not in this drink. Or my oysters Rockefeller. But, oof. But Peixotza by itself is a, is a nice. It's good. I don't. That's a, Again, I don't know why I'm using that voice. But I've that's never good. had it because of the name. Peixot. Peixot. It looks very French. Right. Wait. Well, Southern French. It's Caucasian French. Yeah. Right. So, uh, in this timeline, another important milestone, important part of what what's going on here. So you have. Your, your first cocktail published in 1806. A reference to a cocktail, not even first cocktail, but the first 
Bartender's Guide, the first book, and the book that was called The Bartender's Guide was in 1862. So we're talking before all the royal appointments of Angostura, but after they've already set up shop in the uh, in the Caribbean and exporting there. Uh, Jerry Thomas, one of the first guys to publish a cocktail book, The Bartender's Guide, publishes, and it has a reference, or has the recipe for the old-fashioned in it. Which is important, because that is the the bitters cocktail. It's bitters, sugar, and or water, or sugar syrup, and bourbon. That's it. So it, it, it's, it's the titular cocktail of its time has bitters and carries it along with it into the modern century because of that as an ingredient. And now we have it today. And, and I will say, and as you mentioned, like there was kind of a whole threat of Angostura not being a thing anymore, so people kind of had a rush on it. But now it's like, um, what do you call it? It's hipster-esque. Now, it is, now it's like everyone has bitters and makes bitters because it's popular and because this is an old-timey thing. Yeah. I like bitters back when it was cool or uncool. <laughs> so you brought up and had a link. And I, and I had actually read about it, but I don't know if you want to talk about the the technical classification currently. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. That, I mean, it came up a long time ago about the the Food Act back in, what, 1906 or something. It was very early. That, like, Mm -hmm. you just, or you can't call it medicine. But that it, with a 45% alcohol content, it's considered by the Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau a food flavoring extract is how it's actually classifying uh, so and the ttb national laboratory will test formulas and deem cocktail bitters unfit for beverage use at times so it, it's it's weird because it takes it completely out of like they're not considered a drink or or even a drink added it they're like not fit for that use they're, they're technically a food product mm-hmm. um and as a food product, though, they also, it's a drawback because they, uh, where, is it, where is it? But just qualify for a drawback of more than 90, or no, it's a benefit. They get like 90% off on excise tax. <laughs> it's freaking clever. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's why it's financially viable to like go ahead and produce this. Because, I mean, it's it's labor intensive. It's, you know, ingredient intensive. Um, so you can, they get this tax break, they can sell it online or directly to customers where you can't like with, it's so complicated with alcohol, uh, to, or even beverage additives. Like there's so many little laws and taxes and crossing state lines. Like I have friends who brew beer, trying to send a beer without, uh, having a distributor and licensing and everything is this huge pain in the butt. But there are craft bitters made all over the place now. It's a very uh, cottage industry uh, mm-hmm. that really kicked off. <laughs> I don't know. I only learned a lot uh, about craft bitters. It was probably around maybe 2015-ish, somewhere in there, I like started to see 
somebody told me about it and then I started to see more and more and they become more and more available. But this is like great for that kind of bespoke market. Yeah. And, and small brewers uh, or I don't know apothecaries, faux apothecaries <laughs> to go ahead and make bitters. Um, if your distillery exists in one of the remaining U.S. states with laws against direct-to-consumer spirit sales, it can be a game-changer. Like, the young distillery, you can still make this while you're securing distribution for the rest of your stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because as, as we were talking, like, all, all you need is neutral, high-proof spirits to make a bitters. But so it's something like, you can make right away. Yeah. On a distillery, like you have to have a distillery to be able to pull off making bitters at any volume. Oh, yes. You should be selling. And I, I'll be honest, every three months or so, I look up like how much is like a three gallon pot still? Because um, I would Cause the, I wanna... the time intensity is a, is a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, there's certain bitters out there that I that I look for. Because you can't always find them. Like uh, uh, Jamaican Bitters number one. I want to say it's from Bitter Cube. Uh, that, that They have number two all the time, but you can't always find the number one formula because it sells out so quick and they don't make a ton. Um, so yeah, it's... it's Ah, bitters are great. And they're so... <laughs> they, they vary widely so much. They're so <laughs> useful. And like, I gotta wonder what happened if this is exactly what happened with some of my favorites. Um, I, have, I have a whole slew of craft bitters here. Uh, my friend Willie Dills Gregory uh, introduced me to seven stills of San Francisco. He's some from San Fran, so I think he knew these guys, uh, these bitters, because uh, we used to mix cocktails on his stream and, and hang around and play games. And I ordered some and they're amazing. Uh, they don't make bitters anymore. They are still a distillery. Oh. So when I was reading, when I went to look up the, the legal classification and found this, uh, uh, I was like, oh, I bet that's exactly how that happened. And it's a shame. Like, please. <laughs> please. Like, I, I love that you have whiskeys, but I'm not in California, so I can't just get those. But I love these bitters. I have these bitters sitting here, and like, there's hardly any of some of them left. Chocolate ginger snap are amazing. There's a Meyer lemon one, which oh, yeah, mm. there's one drink left there. Um, cranberry is another favorite of mine, especially on the holidays. I'm like adding it to just everything. Um, like I'm the only cocktail drinker in the house, so I have any of these left at all. Um, and I have their regular plain cocktail bitters. I haven't opened. I'm kind of like waiting. Because <laughs> like I know I can get the Undeberg. I know I can get the Angostura anytime I want. Um, and I ordered these ones from Scrappies because I hear really good things about Scrappies bitters. Uh, I sent you some. I have cardamom. I have black lemon. And those are all right. They're not as good as Meyer Lemons one, though. And uh, Lavender, which I've used about a half a bottle of. I run a real kick. I, I like really herbal stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I was throwing uh, Lavender Bitters in my, my gin and tonics where I use the Elderflower tonic. And it was giving it a nice zhuzh and other cocktails. 
Um, and I also have these Bitterman's Burlesque Bitters in a big bottle. Ooh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bitterman's uh, is great. It just came in the big bottle, and I was excited to see them. And I was on my way from a burlesque show. Uh, it was like breakfast the next morning, the place that had them. And uh, I'm not crazy about them. No? No, I'm not. It might just be this. That one? I mean, it's this like. This one. It's weird because there's Bitterman's, Bitter Truth, Bitter Cube, like a lot of this is Bitterman's by yeah. the Sazerac Company in mm-hmm. New Orleans. Yeah, that's their one. Of and their I own. looked, it was like hibiscus, acai, and long pepper, sweet, spicy, and a bit of tart. I don't get any of that out of it. It tastes like Angostura, but not as good to me. Um, mm. I don't know. But anyway, craft bitters, it's exciting. It's wonderful. I'm glad it exists. I hope people don't stop as they get their distillery launched. Uh, yeah, and I would tell anyone because there's almost every major city has a bitters maker now. It has like some uh, entrepreneur that's like, hey, you know what? We should make bitters. Uh, and, and like, sort of like Atlanta, like 1821 bitters. Um, phenomenal. Like I really like their stuff, and they're they're a local Atlanta thing. Uh, I haven't looked in Texas. I probably should. <laughs> I know I know there are some. Uh, I'm 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 kind of isolated in this little weird little pocket, so I have to travel to go stuff, and half the time I'm working or doing something else. But most most cities have now bitters makers that are they're out kind of exploring their local ingredients or trying to figure out their own ideas, and it, it can be really fun. It can be disappointing sometimes, but it can also be just really unique and fun just to try out what's going on out there. Oh, look, um, there's one in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. He. There you go. Sorry. Uh, one, one, one maker that I didn't realize was their origin, uh, Bitter Truth. It's like I know like Fee Brothers is one that's out there. You can find a bunch of stuff. But uh, Bitter Truth Bitters, I've seen a lot. Did not know they were a German brand. And I didn't, re- didn't realize their impetus for becoming a bitters maker was so they could make classic cocktails like with accurate ingredients. I was like, that's, that's pretty baller. That's really cool. I, I just didn't know that was a thing, but that, that was, that was pretty fun. Oh, the other interesting thing, by the way, about not uh, being classified as food, you don't have to be 21 to buy them. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, most supermarkets will carry them, um, and they're just they're, they're just around. It's one of the few things, especially if you live in like a, either a dry county and or a state controlled. I'm putting my fruit and vegetables in soups. My mom told me to pick them up. Right, making. I'm putting in my applesauce. See, it says <laughs> right so on the bottle. No, I can imagine if I were checking someone out, like a kid, and they were buying bitters, I would. Right. I mean, if they had like. Back. 12 bottles of bitters and <laughs> be like, all right, come on, man. You, you now have a bottle of, oh. that's not like equivalent of catching a kid with a cigarette and making him smoke a pack, right? <laughs> or eat them. Like, I'm not saying you should do that to your children, but no, like drink this would like cure that curiosity. Sure, it's like, what, what is that? Eating a tablespoon of nutmeg. Don't, That's yeah. dangerous. You'll see God, and then you'll have the worst hangover, like worst, painful, 
painful hangover. Don't do oh it. Don't goodness. ever do it. However, it that is it does do that. It's it is it is it is our baking drug. That and Angostura bitters. <laughs> Put them together, and what have you got? Bippity boppity. Ah! Um. <laughs> so so bitters. It's it's a thing now. Um, it's it's. It is a core component to many cocktails as an ingredient, even as a topper. I've seen people like kind of a few dashes on top to kind of add to the nose. Oh, yeah. Those egg white. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's there's. Pisco sour, probably. Or looks kind of like a number of sours. Yeah, that's it true. came up a lot during the research. Like these kind of, you've got the, the shaking with the egg white and you have the old foamy on top. But like to put a little a few dashes of bitters, give a little swirl, would definitely give a good nose to a lot of cocktails. Oh, for sure. I mean, so... I recommend to anybody who hasn't used them, don't be shy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Get something basic and inoffensive. Get some Angostura orange. It's not expensive. Have it there in your basic stuff. And... Uh, throw it in your vodka sodas. Throw it in your gin and tonic. Throw it in your whiskey soda, and so you know what it's doing. I mean, it's a low investment add to your repertoire to start making cocktails and uh, upgrading your game. Now, I will say, and because you mentioned gin and tonic, and there are, you can when you if you personally decide to go on the the foray of making bitters, which is fun. It's a, it's a good low intensity long term activity. It takes like three four weeks to really do right. Uh, you can make a dark bitters or you can make a light bitters, and then it affects what you want to mix it in. So if you use like a high proof rum or whiskey, you're going to use that then in high proof rum and whiskey drinks. If you use a high proof gin, vodka, or Everclear high proof grain alcohol, you're generally not always, but generally going to want to mix those with clearer alcohols. You don't have to, and that depends on if you use like darker spices like cinnamon or, or well, cinnamon is the first thing that comes on vanilla. You know that would go with bourbon even if you put it in a clear, uh, clear uh, spirit. But like the one I'm making now that I started making for the show, I'm like, well, I used cardamom and orange and lemon zest, and I, like as I'm smelling it. And kind of as I'm, as it's aging over time, like, you know what? I don't think this would go as well with a whiskey unless it's a really harsh or citrusy whiskey. I think mm. this is more of a, a gin or vodka bitters. So mm. along those lines, as you're experimenting, just think like this might go better with one kind of liquor or another, to, depending on its profile. Well, and some are obvious. And I think craft bitters is might be a good way to experiment with that, if you don't mind you know, drop a little money and try it. Like, I don't feel like these lavender ones that I love so much mm-hmm. would be good with whiskey. No, probably right? not. No, this I, is, I would have a hard time. They're wonderful with gin. <laughs> they're wonderful yes. with vodka or gin, right? With something clear, but it, oh, it might ruin a whiskey. Dude, yeah. No, if you did a, a gin version of a Manhattan with that... Bitters, a dry vermouth, and the, and and a nice gin. Like you, you, you call it a clear Manhattan or city lights or something like that. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> like cardamom, however, I think would be great. I've got cardamom ones. I feel like that mm-hmm. would be great 
in a Manhattan or an old fashioned, um, especially with, I like to smoke an old fashioned these days and a smoke cardamom is an amazing thing. Mm. All right. We should continue. We're going really long. So, yeah, we're kind of into the fun facts. Um, so the the Riga Black Balsam, the the liqueur of uh, Latvia. This is uh, okay. we're now like kind of in the fun fact zone, but uh, I is credited as as a medicine for saving Catherine the Great. She was on her way back. I can't remember from what. I didn't cite that part. Uh, but she fell ill while she was in Latvia. And after the doctors couldn't save her, the creators and purveyors of real black balsam gave her some of their tonic, some of their bittered liqueur. And she recovered. Magic! Yes, it is. I, 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 I love that that was on their site. And this is one of those things I was researching, like, well, it's technically not a bitter, says what we're talking about. But at the same time, that's a good story. You guys should totally keep that. And of course they do. I just thought. Oh, I guess it's on the Riga Black Balsam site. Like that's their marketing. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> take that, Jaeger. Coincidence? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> was she literally dying or just throwing up? Uh, who knew that she fell ill? And, and what was she a drama queen? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to tell. Uh, Maybe they other, were just trying to blame Latvia. <laughs> other fun facts. So we we've talked about dashes, and as you might you know, you oh. put dashes in a cocktail, a dash of right? this. Now, and I was most... going to ask you about that because yes, Agastura has you know. Your mm-hmm. little dashy cap. Yes, a dauber, as we call it. And we have droppers. And we have the medicine droppers. Other ones. <sighs> and this Mother one troppers. just got a damn open top. It's got uh, a little. It's got kind of a splooge spout. It's, is it's what I would call that. So, um, and <laughs> this is something I run into working with extracts, like I do. Mm-hmm. Same thing for measurement. It's so hard with the the daubers. Yes. You want to be consistent. So I, I ran into this problem when I started using bitters and cocktails, uh, but the rest of the place I worked at liked to batch things. It's like, look, the more you can pre-combine so that we don't have to think and mix, we can just say three ounces, two ounces, ice, shake, serve, or whatever it is. But the less that you have to, to combine uh, at, at, at request, the better, because then you can put out more product. You can sell more and make more money. So... So dashes becomes one of those things. Like, all right, well, if it's two dashes for one cocktail, how many for per volume of 100? Like a pinch. <laughs> right. So then you have to quantify it. So so the, the, the little daubers, the, when you shake an Angostura bottle and it goes, well, it doesn't make that sound, but that, 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 that is an amount. A dash is a quantifiable amount. And here it is. It is one thirty-second of an ounce. 0.92 milliliters or one eighth of a teaspoon. Da 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 da. That's a piece of cake. I know um, that's underwhelming, but when you start going, uh, you know, expounding out and having to try to do larger volumes, that does really, really help. Because, yeah, two dashes. I mean, just grab the bottle, two dashes. Um, the Underberg bottle that you threw up, it kind of looks, it has the same kind of taper to the neck as a, as a travel-sized Tabasco bottle. Uh, but you can kind of do the same idea with it, where it's tapered just enough that you can kind of just go, 
shrunk, shrunk, you can turn it upside down and hit it twice or shake it twice. And you'll get roughly a dash or dashes from it. Uh, <laughs> so th- there you have it. That's the measurement of a dash. It is real as it is kind of frivolous, but essentially if you're doing large quantities of things. Yeah. Well, so, so sorry. I guess it's not that hard. Most standard, I mean, if you're looking at old fashions, Manhattans, it wants two to four, right? Depending on your taste. Yeah, you two is like the standard of, I feel like, just in general of when I see right. it. Used in things. So yeah. a quarter teaspoon, I mean, if you really feel the need to measure. A quarter of a teaspoon. Yeah. <laughs> but it exists. There's a spoon for it. Yeah. It's, it's so tiny by itself. It's so wee. But, I mean, it's, especially like if I'm making cocktails and someone's like, oh, I like extra bitters in there. Like, you have to be able to say two dashes, three dashes. Yeah, I do too. Dashes, but, like, I mean, and it already calls for. It already, you already start with like at least two. And yeah. I was. I became accustomed early on to like, I want <laughs> a perfect bourbon Manhattan with a twist and a dash of bitters, was what my family would tell me they wanted. What they were saying with the dash of bitters was more bitters than standard, right? Mm. So, yeah, I can understand mm. as a bartender that would be like really annoying. It was because it's either like no bitters or, but a dash of bitters meant they want like heavy bitters. Uh, so, yeah. it's a definitely a, it's a two taste thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Either don't specify to your bartender because they know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> this is or true. watch if they're not putting them at all. Like, because, like you said, and I agree, it should. The ice goes in, the bitter should go on the ice. Yeah. If they don't reach for the bitters, they start reaching for the pour. Say, oh, do you not have bitters? Uh, or did you add some bitters? Like, they might have forgot. They might be new. Um, they might not have been taught correctly. You know, find a way if you want them and they're worth having. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they change the cocktail enough. It's it's important, I think. Yeah, I think it is too. Like, I asked... I didn't ask for a bourbon and soda, right? Like... <laughs> a bourbon and branch? <laughs> What? <laughs> I it's actually that's a bourbon branch is bourbon and water, but it was one of those stupid terms I learned that was never necessary to know as a bartender, because no one orders a bourbon and branch. I didn't even know that a bourbon and branch looks like something with only only people with mustaches like you order. <laughs> I try to look the part. Ah, damn it! So, did you learn anything new Ooh. in researching for this episode? I learned plenty of stuff. <laughs> it's like, I know everything. I don't. I learned something new. but Did I not write it down? 
Uh, it's it's not so many the, things. It's not well, I definitely that learned food. that it was food. Right. <laughs> Even though I know you, I knew you used it like in food, but that it was classified as food was really interesting. I didn't uh, know that the Trinidad and Tobago cocktail seems to have been named after what Angostura is trying to claim as we are the bitters. So. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean, they, they, from an early stage, they did a good job marketing. So good, good, good on you all, Angostura. Well, House of Angostura. In there. Yeah, right. It's the Germans. Who knew? And I didn't know how many <laughs> teaspoons it would take to not be farting. Right. So I, I, in learning about the, the food safe, or not food safe, but food qualification of bitters, uh, there's a few other sites that refer to it as non-potable. It is a non-potable liquid. liquid. Uh, and, and so I knew what, you know, like if I, I knew what that was in reference to water. Potable right. water versus non-potable water. Like this you one's can wash drink. your stuff with this. This one, you can water it. your stuff or flush your toilet, but don't drink it. Right. Like that's my, um, I need to know which spigot is which for camping. <laughs> right. So I, I, I never th- thought about it. We were like, oh yeah, but, Bitters is non-potable, or Angostura is non-potable. Huh? So then I had to go read things, because I'm like, that's not normal. Um, it was so odd, but it, it, and it's the same idea, and it's the same classification that you already talked about. But in reference to that, it's it's basically, the idea is, no one in good conscience would drink this. Right. <laughs> so therefore, it is non-potable. <laughs> Technically not... Right. Save not. Whereas vermouth okay. or Campari, something that we we already talked about before, and then listen to that episode seven. if you haven't. Um, those things you would drink by themselves. You put on the rock, splash soda water, whatever. Great bitters. Now nah, you're not drinking three ounces of bitters and sitting in a cup. Like that's just you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> you don't want it. So it is non-potable, but. Categorically, which that's a new thing for me. I mean, that makes sense. That's exactly what we talked about. But I, I, I was reading this on a, on a website and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that is. That's new to me, too, because it was always like <laughs> safe, not safe to me. Right. Uh, that something can taste so bad on its own. It's being classified as not safe. <laughs> like. Right. Stop. Don't drink it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Like, add it to things. It's great as an additive. It is an amazing right. additive. You wouldn't put a st- ounce of salt in your mouth and go, mm, this is delicious. No. <laughs> yeah. And that's a good way to look at it. It's yeah. it's the salt. It's yeah. sprinkle. It is. It's the essence. It's the flavor. It's the spice. It's sprinkle. It's the guy who does the... Psh, psh. Uh, I'm thinking of Futurama. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Elzar! <laughs> Bam! Uh, when she was a parody of Bam. Emerald Lagasse. It's Emerald. Uh, so, the featured cocktail for the week, uh, I, I thought it would be me making bitters, which we'll talk about, and I have, I'll have a video of me making bitters. There is your cocktail, which is vodka, soda, and bitters, which is a great way to taste it, because you enhance the flavor of the bitters and don't really mask it. And then the old-fashioned, which is like one of the OG... Bitter cocktails, bitters cocktails. Very simple. 
you put your ice in a bucket or rocks glass. Bitters on the ice. Simple syrup over that, about a quarter ounce, roughly. Maybe a little bit more to taste. Whiskey over that. Bourbon, I prefer, but or high rye bourbon, if you want to go OG um, Sergeant, or sorry, Colonel Pepper's recipe. Stir. Squeeze a cherry, put it on top. Squeeze an orange, put it on top. Give it a little more stir. Good to go. That's it. That's fantastic. And you have a good old-fashioned. Or really, you can muddle it on the bottom and then build everything on top. But Yeah, and I was taught with old-fashions. And it's such a weird thing. Um, I'm looking at the Angostura recipe, by the way. They say two dashes of Angostura and splash of club soda on a cube of sugar. Muddle two ice cubes. Ounce and a half of bourbon, scotch or rye, garnished with cherry and orange slice. Oh, scotch. Yeah, and yeah, that's like, I mean, I don't, I'm a, I'm a single malt snob, so sure, I wouldn't yeah. do that to my scotch. Um, mm-hmm. But rye sounds excellent, but I've only ever used bourbon for old fashions. But I was taught with uh, the muddling was we use orange and lemon and sugar mm. And muddle that, and then throw in the ice, put the bitters on the ice, pour your bourbon over, give it a stir, top with club soda. I've seen the club soda version. Uh, I've served it. Never got a good response. The what version? Um, using club soda. Oh, club soda. In it. Uh, it was like, because that was one of the first recipes I read was using a club soda in there. Um, yeah, I've never got a good response. Um, and I will they, say like, I prefer it without when I've had it at the shirt factory in Medina most recently where they were smoking it and it was the best I ever had. But I, like I said, I grew up with my family did with the club soda. So, yeah, I, I mean, there's, I know we'll sit to, I'll preface this with, there are so many versions of an old fashioned, uh, as a bartender, if I'm working at a place, if someone comes in and says, Hey, I want a Buffalo trace old fashioned and that's all they say. And it's busy and I don't have time to be like, so do you, do you want it smoked or do you want it on a big cube? Or do you want the rock? Like if I don't, if I, no, there is. You don't have time. That's menu shit you're referring to. Darling. Right. Well, I'm just saying like if <laughs> the, the version that people can picture and expect is okay. generally a, a cherry and orange on the bottom, give it a little squish. Or if you're like frustrated or your oh, boss yeah, is being a, the a chooch, yeah. you just, <laughs> you go, ice, throw your ingredients in, give it a stir, throw it at the person. Uh, that's generally what people expect overall. Uh, and, and then from there, there's, there's, there's a whole pantheon of versions of old fashions. Uh, I had a friend of mine text me that was working in a restaurant and said, they had an argument with a customer because someone said, well, that's not how you make an old fashioned. The only way you make it is with a crystal clear globe of ice, a lemon peel and this and that no cherry and F you. And I'm like, okay, well, you know what? That person full of crap. Uh, there is a lemon version. There are many lemon versions. Um, like I said, I mentioned, I went to a distillery that claims to be the originator of the old fashioned. However, their citation for the publication comes 20 years after the, uh, Jeffrey Thomas, a bartender's guide. So, <laughs> eh, 
But they're a really fun distillery. They make a high rye bourbon, so it's like a really spicy bourbon, which is great. Mm. And they use lemon peel, bitters, sugar cube muddled, dash of water, just to kind of basically you make your syrup in the glass. And it's phenomenal. It's very, very good. All those ingredients work well together because they're being cognizant of their ingredients or whoever made that recipe was being cognizant of their ingredients. So there's lots of ways to do that specific cocktail, but that's also why there's so many different versions. That's why a Sazerac is this is basically the same cocktail, just slightly altered because they're using uh, absinthe, but honestly, they're using it like a bitters. And it kind of is. So... Yeah, it all it all it all works out. <laughs> and I think we are ready to wrap in this rather long episode. I had to update the data plan on Blueberry, by the way, to make sure that we could upload these. Oh, <laughs> right. that well, is Kyle, Kyle helped you out with that. It's oh, it's all right. But like, who knew? Because bitters is complicated. Yeah, we've talked about a lot of. We knew we were not going to do the original half hour because all the uh, booze we've talked about. There's so much history and so many fascinating things, and we want to help our audience. We want to help you. Like, if you want to do this, if you're just curious, if you want a story to tell while you're mixing a drink for your friend, we want to give you all that. And bitters is complicated, and we want to encourage you to explore. Absolutely, yeah, and that's and that's what we're here for. We're here to share and also, you know, talk to us. Ask us questions. Please chime in. Email us at tipplethory.com. Uh, oh, it happened again. Please fix <laughs> the outline for the notes for the copy and paste. Uh, it's uh, tipplethory at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, follow, review us on whatever listening platform you're using. And next episode, we're going to be talking about cordials. Ooh, fancy. Please check out patreon.com forward slash tipple theory today, where you can become a supporter and get access to video of our cocktail of the week being made and other behind the scenes goodies. Thank you to Scott Gesser for writing our theme music that you're listening to right now. You can find him and links to his music at scottgesser.weebly.com. Nice. Nice.